around the throne of God for eternity. In his very presence, praising him for saving your soul, recognizing who he is in all of his glory forever and ever. You know what? Some people have this idea that when we get to heaven, we're going to get tired or bored. I have a feeling when we recognize who he is and what he's done in his very presence, it will be the thrill of our lives and eternal lives to praise him forevermore. Amen? We'll sing like we've never sung. We'll worship like we've never worshiped. And we'll see him in all of his glory. Much like Peter and John and, and, and that inner three, Peter, James, and John, on the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw Jesus in all of his glory. And you remember Peter, the author of the book we're looking at today? Go ahead and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Remember what Peter said? Let's do something. Let's build something. When in essence... His job was just to soak it in and be reminded of the glory of God. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss our kids to Children's Church with Brother Jeff and his team this morning. Uh, up to third grade, if you would like to worship in that service, kids, uh, you go ahead and meet them in the lobby. We do believe it's a big deal to be in church, do we not? Give them a good hand for being here this morning. And I see Dan Page here, and I see uh, uh, Jaina and uh, Bob here today as we laid uh, their mothers to rest this week. God bless you all, and uh, continue to pray for the Buckley family. Uh, it's just a, a tough week of loss, but I had the privilege to talk about Jesus and had the privilege to talk about three who had given their lives to him as Lord and Savior. Listen to me, listen to me. Don't you make Brother Greg wonder if you're saved or not this morning when, he, when your time comes. You say, what do you mean when my time comes? Peter is writing this part of chapter 1 knowing that death is coming. It's imminent. I mean, the beat of my heart that I feel is one less than I'll ever get. What are you saying, Brother Greg? We're all dying physically. We're all dying physically, but in Christ, it will just be a transition to our eternal home in a real place called heaven forever and ever and ever. Do you believe that this morning? Uh, here was a common thread of three funerals this week of believers. They know, or, or to the family, that this is not them. So the body is not the one you loved. Secondly, we know where they're at. Amen? Thirdly, we know how to get to where they are because of the promises of the Word of God. And Peter is writing with death imminent approaching. I mean, what would you write if, if you knew that it was just about over and your time is short? What, what would you write? What would you pen? Uh, I've got a book at home that the kids gave me. Some of you have this. It's like a journal, and it's about my life. Uh, actually, I thought this was something like my dad. We got him one a long time ago, or my papa or somebody would do. 
And it asks questions like this. What's your first memory of church? What's your first recollection of Sunday school? Do you remember going fishing for the first time? Did you play Little League Baseball? What was it like facing that pitcher for the first? So it had all these things that, like my, my emotions and feelings of, of growing up, and, and, I, and I'm trying to do a better job of getting that thing filled out. What would you write? What would you write? Well, in 2 Peter chapter 1, as we make our way to the Lord's table, as we make our way to receive communion this morning, isn't it just like the Lord to put the right passage in the right place at the right time? And I believe we see that this morning in the last half of chapter 1, 2 Peter. Here we go. He writes, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth. Now, I believe that Peter is referring to some things he's already discussed. That characteristics of the Christian life uh, should be different. You should live differently as a believer. Uh, this would be a good place to say amen, folks, that you should live differently as a believer, that you should look differently as a believer, and I'm not talking about hair length, or I'm, I'm, just, I'm just talking about your lifestyle should look different than the world in which we live. Okay, let's start over. That you would live differently, that you would look differently, right? Bible says be transformed. That's changed, and that you would love differently. That you'd love differently. And when you look back at chapter one, first part, remember the progression that took place last week, verse five? But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, and then he says, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. It's just building blocks. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. He's saying, I'm not going to quit. I will not be negligent to remind you of these things. And when we come to the Lord's table, when we come to the bread and the juice, when we come to the body and the blood of Jesus, the picture of it this morning, uh, it, the word of God is clear. They are reminders to help us not forget what Christ has done for us. We need reminded from time to time. And the Bible says, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And do it until I come again. There's symbolic things of reminding us of what Christ has done for us. Let me remind you all this morning of, of what Jesus has done for us. You ready? Listen to me. I'm reminded this morning that I was lost on my way to hell until I met the Savior. You say, Brother Greg, nobody talks about hell anymore. Hell is real. It's as real as heaven is. You preach heaven and just rose-colored glasses, and there are no trials and tribulations in this life, you're not preaching the whole gospel. Jesus said, listen, that you will suffer for my name's sake, and blessed are you who do that. I'm reminded this morning when I look at the 
the bread and the juice that I was lost and on my way to a real hell until I met the master. I'm also reminded this morning that I was saved by his blood and his blood alone. Well, what do you mean, Brother Greg? There were sacrifices all over the place. There were. But I'm telling you, when, when the Lamb of God died on Calvary's cross and poured out his blood, there was no longer any need for any sacrifice. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. I'm also reminded this morning that because I'm saved, I can live for him. I can live for him. And folks, the Christian life is so much more than just Sunday morning church. It, it's, it's a life of joy when you hit the clock tomorrow morning. Uh, this morning, I wondered if anybody would be here. There were 90 again at 8.30 this morning. That's crazy. And then here you are. You get up, you look at those frozen windshields, uh, you look at all this stuff, and, and, you're, and you're thinking, oh, man. No, it's not oh, man, it's oh, my. We get to come and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why? Because he has redeemed us, and this morning we have this vivid picture of his love for us. I need to be reminded of that. And Peter's saying, I will not be negligent of it. My life has been forever changed. I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. I received another chance. He let me preach at Pentecost. Uh, God has been faithful. And then Peter kind of shares something that we don't want to think about. Verse 13. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent, look at me, as long as I am in this body to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that I shortly must put off my tent. You know what he's saying? It's not going to be long before I die. As our Lord Jesus Christ showed me, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after I decease or my decease. A reminder of these things, the body and the blood, the love of Jesus poured out for me at Calvary. It sounds like to me in verses 12 through 15, we have a beautiful picture of what the Lord's table really looks like. His death, his blood, his life for mine so that I could have hope and eternity in him. And I have a feeling this morning that, that I need to remind us of a few things. Number one, what it was like to be lost. Sometimes we hang around with only Christian friends. We do things with only Christian friends. We're in church with Christian friends. And it's very easy to lose sight of what it was like before you knew Christ. It's also easy to lose sight of what your life was like before you heard the gospel. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, I grew up in church. I did too. And I'm telling you, folks, if that is your testimony, you ought to praise God that he allowed you to be raised in a home where you had parents that took you to church. Listen to me. Where you had parents who made you go to church. I didn't lay in bed in, on Canary Court on Sunday morning and, and think about a ball game at 10.30. I wasn't allowed to do that. You know why? We had church. Oh, I remember one year I was lucky enough to make the all-star team, Keith. Oh, we had an all-star tournament in Farmersville, Ohio. 
Boy, God played a practical joke on me, didn't he? I'll move you for, to your pastor close to Farmersville, Ohio. What time is the game? They start at 11. All-star team, second base. I can't wait for that game. Dad said, yeah, you can. We'll get there at 1 o'clock. You know what I found out? Teams can play without people. I also learned a lesson in my life growing up that there was a priority of worship. Let me tell you something. You let your teenagers and you let your kids make decisions on Sunday morning, they will not come to church. You warm up the car, Dad, and sit out there until they're ready. They'll thank you someday down the road. Now, it's a little quiet in this place right now. Somebody say amen. Folks, Brother Greg, what are you saying? You're a killjoy about sports? No, I'm a killjoy about things that become idols in our life. There's no bigger sports fan sitting in here than I, than I am. But I'm telling you something. Peter is reminding us that there are some things that we have to reinforce. Tell me again. Tell me again. Tell me again. And Peter said, I need to tell you this because my time left in this tent is short. Now, mark your Bible here, and I want you to flip back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, okay? Just a few books, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul had a lot to say about a tent, and I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you have ever tent camped? Raise your hand. Leave them up. Okay. Leave them up. How many of you still enjoy tent camping? Okay, I got news for everybody whose hands up. Weird. You guys are weird. No, you're not. You do that because you enjoy it, do you not? You like the rustic life. You like to work when you're camping. My idea of camping is very similar to Brent Ballinger's. Holiday Inn. Wait on me. I, I used to laugh at people who went camping and, and had big RVs. And I'm thinking, why take your home to a campground with a bunch of people around it? And then I thought, you know what? That air conditioning don't look too bad in that thing. It looks, that's, that's a little more my style. Folks, listen, tents are not meant to live in forever. You know why? When I said, how many of you still tent camp? Some hands went down because you've progressed into pop-up campers or, or bigger campers or trailers or something like that. Tents aren't meant to live forever in. And Paul even wrote about it. Chapter 5, verse 1, he said, If we know that our earthly house, this tent, New King James, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And then he says, For in this, in this tent, we groan. Okay, this morning, did any of your tents groan when you got up? Boy, mine did. You'll say, well, mine didn't. Did anybody's groan before you took your medication this morning? Is anybody with me? Why do we have to do that? Recently, I had a doctor's appointment. You know they read all of your, what you're taking. And I thought, who are you referring to? She goes, Greg, that's you. 
thought, man, I'm falling apart. Why? Because my tent is groaning. And Paul even says, why? Verse 2, for if this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. And if indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up in life. You know why our bodies groan? They're not eternal. They're mortal. One day, the Bible says they will be changed. What do you mean, Brother Greg? In a moment, I'm twinkling up an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ will rise. Our bodies have to be changed. So listen, when we leave the cemetery, we're leaving the tent of the one we love. Do we believe that? But even that body one day has to be resurrected. Why? Because it groans for its eternal state in heaven. It has to be changed. What is not going to heaven? The body as we know it right now. Aches and pains and cancer and high blood pressure and diabetes and arthritis, whatever we got, it's not going to heaven. Heaven's a perfect place for perfect people, not on your own perfection, but our perfection is in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. When you place your faith in Jesus, you have hope. Amen? This Paul, uh, Peter is saying in Peter uh, chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, 12, 13, Peter is saying that my time is almost up in this tent. And, and I'm not going to let up reminding you of the difference Jesus can make in a life. Go back to it, okay? He says, verse 14, knowing shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me, and moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after I'm gone. Let me remind you of a few things this morning. Now, one of them is, what, what's it like, what was it like to be lost? What was my life like before I heard the gospel? Uh, what, what do you mean? What was my life like before I heard the gospel? Can you remember when you began to hear it, when you began to process it, when you began to think about the things of God. For me, it was as a young boy in Sunday school class with faithful teachers who would show up week in and week out, sometimes with a big class and sometimes with nobody, prepared, teaching the lesson, showing me the importance of the Word of God. A children's church worker, Dick and Jerry Davis, who served 30 years in children's church. Folks, that's a lot of missing Sunday morning services because they love kids and wanted to give them an opportunity to worship. Sharing the same old story, singing the same songs. You know what else I think we need to be reminded of? Of what, it was, what it's like to visit a church. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a guest. We are so glad you've come to worship with us. But I'm telling you, we need to be reminded of what goes through somebody's mind when they come into the doors to worship with us. Here's what we do. 
We stand in our pew, we sit in our pew, we fold our arms, we see somebody we don't know, we lean over to our spouse and say, I wonder who that is. Instead of moving around, approaching them and saying, my name's Greg, what's yours? Have we met before? Boy, we are glad you're here. Do you think you can do that? Kyla, do you think you can do that? I just feel like calling people's names today. Amber, do you think you can do that? Pat? Harold? Wake up. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, brother. We all can do it. We all can do it. We've just got to be uh, reminded of what it's like for a guest to walk in this church. And I want to, listen to me, quit talking to each other when a guest walks in. Walk away, turn, greet people that you don't know. Why? Because they've taken a step of boldness just to even come here. It's not no social club. We're not preaching the gospel and the kindness of the Lord Jesus. Remember in those first few verses, he said in verse 7, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Our job isn't to be your favorite club of the week. Our job is to preach the word of God. Our job is to rightly divide the word of truth. Our job is to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our job, listen, folks, is to please an audience of one, not make this everything about you. And, you know, I, I, told, I told you Renee's been giving me that lately. Oh, yeah, it's all about you, Brother Greg. And when she, when she calls me Brother Greg, that should tell you something. Okay? Dick Grant used to pray. Lord, as we prepare for worship, it's not about us. It's not about us. And, and Peter is saying, my job is to remind you of what's important. Because my time's not long. My time's not long. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Listen to me. Everybody here has got an appointment that you're going to keep if the Lord tarries his coming. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Renee's mom's struggling a little bit. Like, what do we do to comfort her? These, these tents wear out. They're not meant to live in forever. And we need to be reminded that we have the promises of God. And, and when you look back in the first part of chapter 1, we see that Jesus does make a difference. There should be characteristics in your life that do make a difference. And as we take the bread and the cup this morning, here's what you're saying. Here's what you're proclaiming. Jesus has made a difference in my life. I want to remind you this morning, listen. This communion service is difficult to navigate on a Sunday morning and making cups available to everybody when they walk in. Listen to me carefully. Communion this morning is for born-again believers in Jesus Christ. You're saying that there's been a time in your life when you've asked Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Listen to me. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, let a man examine himself. Let a woman examine herself. You do business with God before we ever take the cup. You do business with God, meaning that when you take the cup, you're coming in a right relationship and you're coming in obedience. Some of you have given your life to Christ, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. 
Here's my question. Why in the world wouldn't you want to be baptized? Well, preacher, I'm afraid of water. I respect that. But I guarantee you, we will take care of you and help you through that. Well, Brother Greg, I don't want to step out in front of people. I want to remind you that the king of glory was hung on a cross half naked because of his love for us. Because of his love for us. You'll say, what do you mean? If he did that for me, what's the least I could do for him? Give him my life and not be ashamed of it. You say, well, I was sprinkled when I was a kid. Praise God for parents who love their kids. But that was not biblical baptism. Baptism is your choice. Baptism is, I believe in Jesus. I'm not ashamed of it. He lives in my heart. And this is my testimony. Those are some things we need to be reminded of. Uh, We need to be reminded that God's word still has power. Amen? The Bible that you hold in your hand is the inerrant, infallible word of God. The messages that we preach from the word of God have power. The word of God, it's the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The songs we sing, we get to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I love the fact that worship music is all over the place, but we're kind of living in a day where full circle's coming back to hymns. God has given us a beautiful place. He's given us a great time to come together. We need to be reminded of that. And then Peter's saying, there's the importance of being ready. Remember? Knowing shortly I must put off my tent, verse 14, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about this aspect. We've already read uh, that it's, it's, a, it's not an earthly house, not made with hands. We've already read in 2 Corinthians 5 that this tent groans. Peter's recognizing that I will soon be leaving this world. Paul wrote to young Timothy, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. John chapter 13, verse 36, Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you shall follow me afterward. John 21, 18 and 19, Jesus said, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish, symbolizing a death that Peter would die. Tradition has it that Peter was crucified. Tradition has it that he requested to be crucified upside down. Not worthy of the death his Savior died for him. We need to be reminded of a few things. Verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables 
when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So as we come to the Lord's table, here's what you're saying. I'm an eyewitness of who Jesus Christ is. He changed my life forever. An eyewitness, when you're called, they simply want you to tell them what you saw. Just tell us, report what you witnessed. Now, what if an officer started writing down your statement and you started things like this? Well, I think, I think it was. I think it was. No, what we're saying when we come to the Lord's table, we're not sitting here saying, I think I'm a Christian. I think there was a time. I think I'm a believer. No, we're saying, hey, this picture of his body, this picture of his blood, I know my Redeemer lives in me. I know that he died for me. And while I'm not perfect, he is. And my righteousness is of filthy rags. And, and if perfection is what it takes to get to heaven, by the grace of God, it's Jesus who gets me there. I don't come crawling in, holding on by my fingertips. Hopefully, the good will outweigh the bad. The scales will tip 51-49, and my good outweighs the bad. And I get into heaven. Folks, if that's your theology, you're, you, you believe in the Islam religion. It's not about what you can do. It's about what Jesus has accomplished. I need to be reminded of that. So the Lord's table, communion, is a picture. It's a reminder to me of what Christ has done. His body nailed to a cross. His blood pouring out for my sin. Now, verse 17 says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory, which such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard his voice, which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Here Peter is recalling that mount of transfiguration. I am an eyewitness to the glory of God. And I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. And even though the world in which we live is spiraling out of control, it seems like away from the things of God. Listen, you and I as believers have to be reminded of the cross of Calvary. Don't you walk away from the cross. Don't you walk away from the blood of Jesus. It's our only hope in Christ alone. And here's what Peter's saying. I will not veer from the truth. I'll not veer from the truth. Verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. You can't make it mean what you want it to mean. It's the truth of God revealed to us. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed, inspired. And Peter says, I'm not going to veer from the truth of God's word. So we come to the table. I want you to take your cup, if you have it, and I want you to peel off the top and get ready. 
And this is the invitation. The Bible says that we are to examine ourselves. I'm not asking what you think of somebody else. I'm asking you to take spiritual inventory to see if you're right with the Lord this morning. Some of you are sitting here. You're the kindest people in the world. But yet in your heart, you're just not sure you're saved. My question is, do you want to be? Do you want to be? You can. In the quietness of your heart right now, just pray, dear God, I need to be saved. There's absolutely nothing I can do to merit forgiveness but accept your cross and your payment and resurrection, your death, burial, and resurrection. Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart right now, once and for all, and save me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer right now and you meant it, I want you to slip your hand up. Let me see you. Just slip it up. Okay. Here's what we're saying in this, in this service right now. That we're all okay with the Lord. Christian, any, any sin in your life need to go? That's what examining yourself means. Just confess it to the Lord. Ask Him to forgive you. The Bible says if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Based on the cross. He paid for it already. So Lord... Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the picture we have in our hands. The Bible says that Jesus took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. My body at Calvary for you. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Let's take the bread together. Marsha, you're playing just as I am. I think we know the words, most of us, okay? Let's sing, okay? Just as sing it. I am without one. But that thy blood
they asked Billy Graham, why do you sing just as I am every crusade, every invitation? And he said, it's just a simple message. I need to be reminded that the cross and the blood of Jesus, they're simple messages. Too good to be true? Oh, no. It's our only hope. So as we come today, we're saying that we believe he died on the cross and we believe that his blood is precious. Amen? So fill the label in your cup. You'll have to pull that second one harder. Bible said, in like manner, he did the same thing. And Father, I thank you that you've given us a symbol that we can see with our eyes but help us recognize it's with our hearts that we believe. Thank you, Lord, for paying the ultimate price so that we could live forever. And let us be like Peter. With the time left we have in our tent, let us remind everyone of your grace and mercy and your love for this old world. In Jesus' name I pray, and he took the cup.